0: You are listening to the Try. quarter transmissions. Weekly trek, episode thirty-four.
1: Welcome to Weekly Trek, where we cover the highlights of this week's Trek news from around the Alpha, the Beta, and yes, even the Gamma and Delta Quadrants. We're very inclusive here at the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. I am John, host of Trek Profiles, right here on Tricorder Transmissions, and with me this week are two amazing gentlemen. First, let me introduce Jamie McGregor, also of
0: Tricorder. Hey, Jamie, how are you? Not too bad, John. Great to be chatting with you about Trek news this week. And Shashank Avaru,
1: one of our regulars here on Weekly Trek. Shashank, how you doing?
2: I'm great, man. I'm excited to record with you, uh, too. This, this is going to be a fun episode.
1: All right, well then, before we jump into the main Trek news, it turns out that we have a little bit of Trek news right here on Tricorded Transmissions. We were running a contest where we were asking our amazing listeners to tweet at us, post on Facebook, or send us audio comments uh, about why they love the network, or their favorite moment of the year, or even just their festivist greetings for the year, and we were running a little bit of a contest for some Star Trek swag, and we've already announced it on Twitter. Our winner uh, is the wonderful and amazing Seth Walker, one of our listeners. So, Seth, congratulations, and we are so glad that uh, you've won a box of Star Trek swag from Tricorder. So that will be coming to you directly. How awesome is that? Well done. Yeah. Good job. Congratulations, Seth. And a second bit of Tricorder Transmissions news is we are bringing in a new host, to Weekly Trek. So shortly after the beginning of the year, Alex Perry will be joining us as one of the hosts of Weekly Trek. So we're really excited to welcome Alex and looking forward to his many wonderful contributions in the future. And also, it will be nice to hear some additional non-American accents on the show. So that'll be great as well. <laughs> what is
0: it that you're supposed to say here? Uh, I welcome our new Weekly Trek British overlord. host overlord. <laughs> yes, that's exactly
2: what. <laughs> we, oh, that does I, not sit well with me. <laughs> so you, for one, do not. <laughs> <laughs> not in that tone, but I'm, I'm excited for Alex. I've, I've, uh, I've always enjoyed Alex's reviews on Trekkor. He's a very active member of the starter community, and I'm sure he'll do a great job.
1: He's he's going to do super super well. So I'm I'm very excited about that. All right, gentlemen, let's jump into the news. And at the top of the news for this week, Alex Kurtzman talking about the new Star Trek Picard series. He says it will be extremely different, in quotes, from Discovery. He refers to Discovery as a bullet and says that Picard is going to be a very contemplative show. So, what do you think about this, gentlemen, and uh, what are your reactions?
2: Well, I for one am... Conflicted is the wrong word, but I don't know what he means when he says contemplative, but that is part of the job description for these guys, I'm sure, is now that they have begun production and things are in full swing, we know next to nothing about the show. We don't even know the name of the show yet. And uh, their entire job now is to keep promoting the show and giving us nothing while seeming to give us stuff. So if you read this article, there are words like contemplative and then they talk about, oh, we have written down eight episodes, but there might be more episodes in the future. And then saying something like, people have so many questions about Picard and what happened to him. And the idea that we get to take time to answer those questions is exciting. Again, we know that's what they're going to do. It's just putting them in those words and really making us feel like they're giving us something, even though they're not really giving us anything. I think that's part of the job description for Alex at this time. And he's doing that really well. So a lot of emotions there for me.
0: How about you, Jamie? I would look at it and say, I'm delighted to see that what we've been talking about for ages, which is um, different Star Trek shows with different tones, sounds like it's going to continue. There's no point in creating an action adventure, rick rollicking, high CGI adventure across the stars with. Uh, an aging Picard you know if you if you 're into that that 's exactly what discovery is going to provide for you so the concept or the the notion that this show is going to be more contemplative more uh, perhaps slower, more introspective, perhaps a little bit more. Cerebral, maybe, uh, is something that I would certainly welcome. Now, Shashank might be 100% right, and this is all just kind of producer mishmash talk to try and distract everybody and talk without actually saying anything. But if it turns out that this show has a different tone, has a different approach, has a different speed to it or anything like that, then I'd be delighted because I like um, the concept of different types of Trek. Uh, And so, yeah, for me, this sounds to me like great news. What do you think, John? I think it does sound like great news because
1: Discovery is, for my taste, a little bit too much action-adventure at the expense of the things that I prefer in Star Trek. So it's not been to my taste, uh, especially as the seasons went on. As the season went on, uh, we'll see what season two has to say about that. But, you know, it could change. I don't know. I think that this is more of the Star Trek that I might prefer. If it's a little bit more intellectual, a little bit more contemplative, I think it might be something that that speaks to me. So I'm super excited about it. And I just want to point out that how amazing is it uh, for us Star Trek fans that we're getting different shows uh, to, to see different sides of Star Trek in. And there's going to be a Star Trek for everybody, right? And I think that's just fantastic. So I'm very excited about it. And plus, I mean, I think it also makes sense. I mean – Patrick Stewart, he's, he's an older gentleman at this point in his life, right? And television is a grueling, grueling, uh, production, right? I mean, it's long, long hours. And I'm not saying he's not up to it. I'm not saying he's unhealthy, but I'm saying, you know, there's things that maybe, you know, if you're going to put an actor who's at that age into a show, it's going to have a little bit of a different pace than if you're putting a bunch of, you know, 25 year olds into a show. So I think that it
0: makes sense. And yeah, come uh, on, John. The, the days of him, you know, wandering around engineering, uh, like it's a set of monkey bars, you know, with his guns showing as he, you know, tries to take on the Borg queen. Those days may be over. Don't you think? D- doing his
1: Tarzan swing across
0: the exactly uh, right. engineering
1: spaces. Yeah. I mean, you know, there might be some of that, but I, I think that uh, there's probably going to be a little bit less of that than there has been historically speaking. Uh,
2: before, before we move on, I I would like to get your thoughts on, on, on one thing, if, if you guys don't mind chiming in, uh, I think there is a, I know there is a tax credit and that's why they're probably getting this, but the fact that the show will be produced in California and not in Canada like Discovery, does that give you any inkling about what the show is going to be? Because, you know, California has a different setting than Canada and there are things you cannot find here that you can find there. And I, uh, like, does that give you anything or is, am I just, uh, am I just trying to reach in and dig in too much on this on that one piece? Where, of where
0: does Where does Patrick Stewart live, John? Does anyone know where he I lives? I think he lives. Uh, tw-
2: I think he oscillates between uh, his home in London and California.
0: If it's a twenty minute drive to the set, then that would explain why it's being filmed in California. That would be my. <laughs> that's my take.
2: Okay.
1: And uh, I, I have a couple thoughts about it. Which is, first, I think he's a, of the level uh, of the stature as an actor uh, in his career, where he can say, "If you want to do a show about me, you know, I'm not going to relocate. You got to do the show where I am." Right. Uh, you know some some actors could couldn't do that right if you're you know some uh background officer on discovery you know you're not going to be able to say that they'll be like yeah whatever yeah, next <laughs> and that's going to be the end of you but but if they're gonna build a show around you you get to say, hey you know I want you to sh- you come to me but uh you know the the other part of it too though is i I just uh I, f- I find this whole idea of tax credits for these things to to be just a just a, a ridiculous scam uh it, it really is ridiculous. I, I'm happy that it's Star Trek is getting it, but my goodness gracious, you know, I, I just don't see using public money to fund entertainment. Uh, I, I never see these things actually working out in the long run. But that's neither here nor there. Editorial over. Please send, me, send your emails to me. <laughs> don't send them to Tricorder. Okay. <laughs> New Discovery trailer and poster art. Yay, very exciting. So we got to see the new Star Trek Discovery poster for season 2 and we also got a new trailer which gave us a little bit more insight into what this season is about and it is blowing up on the YouTube and on all the social medias and Star Trek fans from all over are eagerly devouring them. I have my own thoughts on it, but first I want to hear from you gentlemen. So let me start with you, Shashank, reactions to the poster and the new trailer.
2: The poster, with, with this new poster, I think they're fully descended into, you know, this is not your dad Star Trek. This is a cinematic Star Trek. If you even look at the poster, it looks very much like a Marvel movie poster. You have characters all uh, almost squished together. And in the background, you have a big logo and, and a setting that shows you, gives you a feel of where the show is going to be. I, I don't remember us getting a similar poster for Discovery. Maybe we did uh, for the season one, I mean. And uh, the fact that both the ships are literally facing off uh, at the bottom of the poster is one of my favorite things. And the trailer, man, I could go, we could do an entire weekly trick about that trailer. But uh, I would like to also hear when you guys chime in with your thoughts, what your favorite moments from the trailer were. But mine, whatever that... Black manta looking thing is, which has the big helmet and has a black cape and is all black. That descended on the ship. I'm very excited to learn more about who or what that is. So that those are my thoughts uh, for now. Well, go ahead, Jamie.
0: Well, I I'm a this is a I'm the worst person to have invited on weekly track. I mean that's probably the case normally, but on this particular occasion, on, on this particular occasion. I'm I've decided I'm not watching any more uh, trailers information. I'm waiting for the show. So, I'm trying to do a bit of a non-spoiler kind of approach. I saw the first couple and they were they were vague enough that you you know, you couldn't really get a sense of exactly what was going. The second one brought in the Red Angel stuff, but for this one, I've heard too much and I've seen too much. Now I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to wait for the show. So I'm, I'm going to try and look forward to what, what I do get the sense of is that this looks to be more of a positive kind of action-adventure uh, approach. Uh, and the tone seems to be a little bit more, how can we say, uh, not as, as as dark and brooding as Season 1 Discovery. So I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited for there to be a a tonal shift in Discovery itself, and I'm looking forward to the season because of that. And so for that reason, I'm trying to avoid spoilers. But I'm happy to hear what either of you have to say about the trailer. I'm not that finicky about it. Over to you, John. I am jazzed beyond belief
1: about Anson Mount as Pike. Uh, I think he is going to be absolutely stellar. And from the little bit we saw in the trailers, I think he really brings something Uh, Interesting to the role. Um, Captain Pike as a character is one that's always fascinated me. I really enjoyed him in the cage, uh, the Jeffrey Hunter portrayal. When we go back and we see him being in his room and he's in his cabin and he's just, you can tell he's like so exhausted and Dr. Boyce comes in and tries to comfort him and bring him around a little bit you know you got to see the weight of command i think in a in a very powerful way that we don't really get a chance to see like in the captain kirk incarnations of, of of star trek captains and and i think even in later trek you don't see that so much i mean picard would never crack right he he was sort of you know always this like high and aloof sort of guy above things right and and uh i i really enjoyed that and i think i see like a, a that a little flavor of that uh just very human sort of captain in in Pike and in Anson Mount's portrayal, which uh, makes me really happy. And, and by the way, this could totally be my own insanity speaking, because I recently discovered that I actually have a very oblique connection to Anson Mount in that apparently we actually went to the same college Whoa! A, and we were there at, at almost the same time. But I know that we knew some of the same people. Because I was talking to some people I went to college with, and they're like, oh, yeah, I, you, you didn't know him? And I was like, no, I don't think I did. So apparently, I, had, I never met the man as far as I know, but apparently we know a lot of the same people <laughs> from college. Where did he go to college, John? It was, well, this was a little tiny college in Tennessee called the University of the South. Ah. And, uh, yeah, I went there for two years. I didn't graduate from there. I graduated someplace else. I had to transfer out because it got too expensive uh, for me. But uh, it just is so weird that he went there, majored in theater, and he – I i think if I understand it right, he started the year after I left, but a lot of the people I knew were still there. Uh, so I was having lunch with an old college friend. and They're like, oh, yeah, you didn't know Anson. Everybody knew ants." I was like, really? <laughs> 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 I, I, so I haven't actually sat down and looked at the timeline yet, but uh, apparently uh, there was a whole um, – group of people that that knew the both of us. So how hilarious is that? So I don't know if that's uh, my just, you know, very oblique, uh, barely there connection to the guy speaking, but uh, I'm very excited to see uh, what he does in the show.
2: Yeah, I'm particularly excited because as a fan of Hell on Wheels, that's one of my favorite shows that uh, he led for, I want to say five, five seasons. He's kind of six, but they split the last season into. Uh, and in that show, he plays a very negative character he plays a he plays a depressed you know end of the road kind of i am an old man and this 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 life is going to just end horribly for me character and you see in the show his path to redemption and mostly through the show he's more or less a character who's down on his luck and you you see him in that role, and then as a fan, I came here, and now I see him as this guy who seems to be just lifting everybody up with that smile and the, and the way he's talking and making light of everything. So it's it's just an, it's just nice to see him in stark contrast with what I know him as, which is that hell on wheels Cullen Bohannon character.
1: Nice, nice. All right. Well, then moving on, gentlemen, uh, we'll just have to wait and see what Discovery brings for us in season two. But another story that we want to talk about, and I don't know if there's too much to say here except to send our congratulations. Uh, we just want to congratulate Mr. John Van Sitters for being made vice president of brand development of all Star Trek. So he is basically the behind the scenes Star Trek franchising guy. So if you want to make Star Trek uh widgets if you want to make star trek booze if you want to make star trek uh fan shows if you want to make star trek t-shirts and you want to get that stuff officially licensed that's all under the realm of mr jvc so congratulations mr van sitters i got a chance to meet you uh once very briefly and uh you're a great guy and uh
0: congratulations i don't know if there's anything else to say on this guys go ahead it does seem that uh everyone who's on the show like you, you if you follow them on twitter all the actors seem to you know they all seem to refer to him so obviously very popular amongst the people that actually make the show and seems to be well liked a great member of the, of the trek community so that's that's a fantastic and well-deserved promotion by the sounds of it uh
2: mr sitters congratulations i'm very excited that you'll be joining the family and uh I have been on this show and other shows pitching Sulu a Star Trek story for a while now. Just don't give me credit. I don't need any of that. Just make that movie happen. That's all I'm going to ask for. Because from what I read, his—if uh, I—if I'm reading this correctly—we are reporting this from comicbook.com, and they went to his LinkedIn profile, and it. His position entails primarily working on content development and new brand initiatives ranging from original fiction to gaming to online content and live events. So it seems like there's a bunch going on there. I'm sure somewhere in there, there is room for, a, for Sulu a Star Trek story. So just, you know, just make it happen. Make a brown guy happy.
1: See, I, I, I think if I understand it right, I think that Alex Kurtzman is much more on the creative side of running Star Trek like the actual shows, you know, and, and I think he's the guy who would get that pitch. I think that Sitters is more in charge of like the other things. But Sulu, a Star Trek story comic book, now that would be him. That would be him, yes. If that is if happening, a-
2: I would like to write that, please. Uh, but-, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the reason I say this, John, is because there is another little piece of news that kind of went under the radar. It looks like J.J. Abrams... Contract with Paramount is ending in 2020, and they haven't renewed it or done anything to that yet. So I don't know what that means for the bigger implications of Star Trek and Star Trek Four, if that is ever going to happen. But the, the fact that they're bringing in new people, while that is kind of seeming to, you know, go away in the shadows, makes me believe other people might be getting a piece of that action, and I'm sure. Maybe not. He's doing a really good job, Alex Coachman. But I'm sure at some point he's like, you know what, I I can't handle all of this. Maybe we need to delegate it down. Well, you
1: know, the, the movies are under a, a different legal arrangement, so we'll, sure. we'll see what happens. But you know, yeah. speaking about the movies, that, that goes right into one of our, uh, our little quick hits stories that we have, which is that Mission Impossible director Chris McQuarrie wants to direct a Star Trek movie. So in an interview with Forbes magazine, McQuarrie made it clear that he hasn't had any discussions about directing Star Trek, but if he was given the chance, he'd love to do it. I'm not sure there's much there there for this story, but uh, what would you guys think if a Mission Impossible uh, alumnus was to dip his hands in a Star Trek.
2: I think Chris McQuarrie is the perfect guy for a Section Thirty-One movie. Let me let me elaborate on why I'm saying that. He is the guy who, yes, J.J. Abrams brought it brought Mission Impossible back to the good graces of people after Mission Impossible Two with Mission Impossible Three, and that's one of the best Mission Impossible's out there. But really, it's been Chris McQuarrie who is. Kind of revitalized, and he's also the director of the latest Mission Impossible Fallout, which I believe is the highest grossing Mission Impossible movie. It's one of the highest grossing movies of 2018, and it's an incredible movie. But the reason why I say Section 31 is because Mission Impossible is about a a spy agency, a clandestine missions agency that goes around doing things in the shadows. And what better than to get Chris McQuarrie on to do a Section 31 movie you know, they're, they're, at this point in time, there doesn't seem to be a better guy to make uh, Section 31 or even just a spy movie centered in the world of Star Trek. What do you think, Jamie?
0: Well, would he get Tom Cruise involved, do you think? Could we see Tom Cruise? I know, all I know is that uh, a lot of the Mission Impossible movies, or at least one of them was made in Sydney Uh, in Australia, thanks to a bunch of tax credits. So I'm just imagining now that uh, maybe they could put that all together and we can have Tom Cruise starring in the next uh, Section 31 movie all shot here in Sydney thanks to the taxpayer dollar. I'm all for that. And if Mr. Macquarie gets gets a crack at that, I think that'd be great because these have been great movies, right? Not only have they been high-grossing, but they're great popcorn flicks, and that seems to be where... Star Trek is pitching its movie franchise uh, arm at the moment. So I, I couldn't agree more, Shashank. He sounds like a great man for the job, and he's already in the press asking for it. So let's let's not stuff around. Let's give him the keys to the Ferrari and let him drive it. Uh, the, the more difficult thing will be getting everyone to sign on for it, though.
2: If Tom Cruise is jumping in, uh, no pun intended, I would like him to please, uh, whoever is making the movie, make a real-life starship put it in space and I want Tom Cruise to be hanging off of the edge of that starship that should be the stunt of that movie I guarantee you it will be the highest grossing movie ever just make that happen guys.
1: oh dear <laughs> I like it
2: <laughs> all right moving
1: right along we, we, we now I'm going to need some help from you gentlemen because this is about these written uh, house Star Trek Discovery season one trading cards so we have a full set dedicated to the latest show from the franchise And uh, there's going to be cards with autographs. uh, There's going to be cards with different kinds of photos, uh, all kinds of things like this. Now, I am not a collectible card guy, but I know that you probably know more about this than I do, Shashank. So please tell us about why this is important and why we should care about these Rittenhouse uh, trading cards.
2: Okay. for, For those of you who are card collectors nerds or have been in that world, you know that this is not new as far as Star Trek and trading cards. There are so many popular sets out there. You can actually go on eBay right now and type in Star Trek trading cards and you will find a trading set for practically every show. And DS9, when it came out, was so popular. They actually made an entire trading card set just for the pilot. And then they made trading card sets for different seasons. So this is just in continuation with grand tradition That has been in Star Trek, which is taking uh, a show, breaking it down by season and doing trading cards for that season. And if I'm not wrong, Rittenhouse was one of the uh, premier companies that did it back in the day too. So it's nice to have them back. But if you understand trading cards, the best way to think of them is that there is a base set. There is a set of cards that everybody gets. And then there are these exclusive cards that grow in value because... It's kind of like the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory uh, paradigm that leads you to kind of go on a goose chase and you try to find which of those cards are uh, and where they might be. And if I'm understanding this correctly, they're going to have a bunch of uh, breakdowns within the packs too. You get behind the scenes, you get opening credits, you get uh, Uh mirrored universe cards. So. It, it's it's a way to preserve the show. There are people out there who even collect film reels when that used to be a thing. Now everything's digital. It's kind of like that. Uh, I am excited for this. I'm I, I'll definitely be checking it out for sure. Uh, I don't collect cards anymore, but every now and then I'll reach out and find some good Star Trek or Marvel or DC trading cards. It's uh, for those who care and are interested. It's just a lot of uh, it's just a lot of good news. A, a lot of things to chase and find and hunt down. Jamie, do you have any thoughts on this?
0: My only thoughts are I've never quite understood how the trading in the trading cards actually work. I've seen, you know, when you go to STLV or you go to any uh, comic um, comic con or anything like that convention and you've got the the vendor's room and you, you'll see some guy sitting there with gigantic packs full of all of these cards. And I just wonder... Uh, it seems like all the fun has been taken out. You can just walk up and buy one whole set of everything. It seems like the actual joy of the chase seems to have disappeared a little bit. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that someone somewhere out there is getting a lot of fun and enjoyment out of chasing down these cards and finding, um, you know, the serendipity of finding certain cards and, and whatnot. You know, if they get enjoyment out of that, happy days, if that's what people are actually doing. I don't know. Do, do people go places where they go and trade these things or yes. – or-
2: Well, well you do. And conventions are one of those places. Uh, Time for a confession. I don't know if I've shared this with people before, but one of the first draws for me for my first STLV, which was back in 2017, was, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about all the shows. I was still catching up. I think I'd just finished TNG. I'd begun DS9. I'd seen all the other shows in passing. I was a big fan of the movies. But one of my first draws to come to STLV was the fact that there was a Todd McFarlane panel. Todd McFarlane is a comic book artist, and he does action figures. He has a company called McFarlane Toys, and they were doing Star Trek action figures. And that was the panel I was most excited about because I I got to see, I got to get a look at the new Star Trek action figures a year before they came out. So one of the reasons why I came to STLV was, you know, I get to see them. And conventions are places also where you can live these very niche, or relatively niche not so popular nerd joys and one of the people that came to stlb i'm sure was all about finding a certain card that he or she wanted and i completely agree yeah some some people just enjoy cheating the system and coming and buying them outright but the fact that that guy comes back every year i think that tells you that he's making enough for sure to keep coming back and helping people find their cards
1: fair enough all good Sounds good to me. All right. In another story that I'm sure will just tickle the fancy of our friend Shashank, a Star Trek foundation, particularly the Roddenberry Foundation, uh, grants a vegan startup $250,000 for converting people to a plant-based diet. So this comes right out of the Roddenberry Foundation. And it went to the startup Green Monday for apparently some work they're doing in Hong Kong on uh, converting people to veganism. So this comes, the article comes from livekindly.co. And uh, tell us about it, Shashank. Why is this exciting for you?
2: Okay, I'm all cried out over this news. But if, if I do break, and uh, if you start hearing a guy tearing up, you'll know why. But the Roddenberry Foundation, uh, this is their official mission is to Fund projects that spotlight how female education, women's rights, reducing food waste, and consuming less meat are vital to combating climate change. And this seems, you know, when when as someone who is a vegan and lives that lifestyle, there really is only one movie that was ever made for people like me, which is to which talks about the joys of animals and how they're. Uh, how they relate to Star Trek and how incredible those creatures are. You could be in space and you could be at the end of the universe, but none of that compares to the majesty of of those creatures. And that is the voyage home. When somebody sees movies like that and thinks, oh my God, Star Trek is speaking to me. And then you find out that the foundation behind those movies is doing their best to to validate your lifestyle, to, to give some to give some kind of uh, expression of support and say, hey, you're not alone in this. And uh, there are not only people doing this across the world. The fact that from this news, they're doing it all the way in Hong Kong and uh, they're giving it to this, this company called Green Monday, which is run by entrepreneur David Young, and he's the guy who made Omnipork. Omnipork is a, it's its a, there are people out there trying vegan meats all the time. And Omnipork is one of those that kind of took off and it's popular in Hong Kong now. Uh, the fact that they're doing this to feed a million people and hopefully get them off that meat-based diet and uh, just the, the fact that all of this is happening, that the foundation that i love and that told me through movies that this is the lifestyle that is the best for the planet is now putting their money where their mouth is it just gives me so much endless joy and uh, i'll just i let you guys jump in but uh, if you guys ever have the honor of being john's friend he will find you the best vegan pizza in las vegas <laughs>
1: Oh, that's right. Yes. Barry DeFord and I were driving around in my car uh, in a desperate and vain attempt to find the best vegan pizza, gluten-free vegan pizza in Las Vegas, which we were successful in doing, I might add. And uh, not only that, but even people who didn't know what it was ate it and said it was good. So that's probably the best you can do. But uh, I I know very little about uh, this whole topic. Uh, But the one thing I do want to say is that I always love it when they name products, things that are not in the product. So OmniPork contains no pork pork and it's just, it's it's also like being from new york you know there's a there's a a beverage uh that uh, uh really new yorkers know about called an egg cream and it's a it's a very new york thing it contains neither egg nor cream you know i just i love that there has to be a, a name for that like where the name of the thing is not in the thing i, I just love that but that's really all i'll say and uh, i'd try some on me pork i don't know how about you jamie
0: well <clears throat> Shankar, I'm ashamed to say that I uh, love a good steak, and um, I, I feel <laughs> you I feel like a terrible human being listening to this. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and you have shamed me into my, I'll try and eat more salad in my next meal. But as long as uh, I am fully on board this, for, especially from a climate change perspective. But more 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 to the point, I just want to make sure it doesn't head in the direction. I was reading something about the guy who another entrepreneur who was trying to Convert everyone to like a um, uh, a meal that was just. Liquid, I think it was called Soylent or something like that, where it was kind of like you know wh- why have meals just just drink this goo. Basically, it has every bit of nutrient you need, and you can do three of these a day, and that's it. And uh, that to me has the uh, the makings of a, a dystopian future, I think. Um, whereas uh, vegan food, of course, can be some of the most delicious and 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 well well presented um, that you eat anywhere. So I'm imagining that that this 250 uh, Thousand smackaroos is going towards someone who's going to uh, put it into a product that's going to be tasty and delicious and well-presented and not just a uh, a vial of goo. Uh, that's correct, right, Shashank?
2: Yeah. Well, one of the things that people need to know is that a Hong Kong dollar, one Hong Kong dollar is – United States dollars. So that 250,000 US dollars might not seem like a lot of money to feed 1 million people. But when you convert it to Hong Kong currency, it makes sense. And of course, when they make a vegan diet that they're going to feed a million people on, I'm sure they're going to do their research. And the company, uh, this is one thing that the Roddenberry Foundation is good at, uh, they do their research. If you look at some of their past awardees, and you go back and you read about the work they're doing, these are people that are, they're smart and they know what they're talking about and they've done their research. So when they do this vegan-based diet, I'm sure it's a lot more, hey, instead of eating the steak, why don't you try this omni-pork steak with these sets of vegetables and fruits that'll give you all the protein and carbohydrate necessary for you to run your body, while also not having to harm animals, so uh, I think I'm sure whatever the money that they're getting is going to go to feeding these people, but it's also going to go to finding a balanced diet that does not include them eating goo, but in- instead eat them eating tasty, delicious food that just happens to be vegan.
1: Spoiler warning: I thought Soil and Green was people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's where the name comes from, uh, and it's oh yeah, it's my god, worrying. John. So, anyway, what is wrong
1: with you? It's in the movie. It's it's in the movie. Don't don't you remember? At the end of the movie they're they're dragging the guy out yeah, yeah, yeah. soil and green people. Soil green <laughs> yeah. people, right? That's that's the, that's the whole point of the movie, soil and green. Yeah. You know? So I thought it was uh probably not a good branding choice to be naming his liquid mm-hmm. beverage soylent. I I don't know. It's uh I, <laughs> shivers. Okay. Moving right on along then, for another thing, which by the way is 100% vegan, if you would like to have a little bit of Star Trek flavor with your Earl Grey, there has been released on ThinkGeek a wonderful Star Trek themed tea set. So it's a teapot, you got a lid on it, you got a creamer and sugar bowls with lids, two teacups and two saucers with the UFP logo on it. How cool is that? that um not not sure there's much to
0: say about it but uh, maybe you guys will surprise me what do you think star trek tea set so shashank is is dairy vegan like can i have some milk in my tea no it's not but
2: uh you you can if it's almond milk
0: almond milk yeah. oh jeez. okay all right all right i'll still try i'll still go
2: and uh, as a uh, bill from trek geeks will tell you almond milk belongs nowhere but down the drain so <laughs>
1: he's <laughs> is, not is, a fan is, is, uh, is honey allowed or is that like bee enslavement? I don't know.
2: Uh, that's, yeah, that's still bee enslavement. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is an animal product because we. Dude, have... dude,
0: dude do not laugh, man. They're, like the vegans are going to come for you, man. I'm sorry. Man, I've just had, just uh, in recording this, I've had a cup of tea beside me with milk and honey. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have this is been, an intervention,
2: uh, but, Jamie.
0: But I have Jamie, enslaver of bees. Yeah. I'm a sentient bear. I have dominion over the beasts of the uh, ground and the birds <laughs> of the air. Anyway, I, <laughs> and, and I know that because they're providing my food. Uh, I'm Australian, so unlike Americans, uh, we, don't, we, we drink decent coffee and we drink tea because we are colonial uh, hangovers from England. So uh, coffee and tea are massive here, and I love um, a nice cup of tea in the afternoon. Uh, love Earl Grey. And uh, who could possibly knock back the opportunity of having T. Earl Grey hot in their Star Trek Captain's tea set? I mean, that's, that's it was a no-brainer. Presumably, this is what got uh, Mr. Van Sitter's his promotion, <laughs> I can only assume. Clearly, this put him over the top. Totally agree. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, well, uh, just a couple of thoughts on the on, on the design itself. I'm looking at this. From that Think Geek article, and they look very futuristic for sure. They look like something that would belong on the Discovery or the Enterprise. Space tea. Yeah, space tea for sure. And uh, it's sixty bucks. Uh, and for what I can see, and I'm sure there are tea aficionados, I, I feel like this is something they would uh, they would enjoy. There is also a saucer that reads uh, USS Enterprise NCC one seven zero one D, and it's all ceramic. So it's definitely. It definitely constitutes as fancy china or a fancy tea set in your house. And I'm sure there are people out there who are considering getting it. Um, Good for you guys. Just I I used to drink tea or chai as we called it. Uh, And pro tip you guys listening, chai tea is used just saying tea, tea twice. Chai means tea. So just just a life hack there for you. Uh, And uh, I don't drink tea anymore, but it looks like something, you know, if somebody offered this to me, and they put some coffee in it, I would I would definitely be impressed. All
1: right. Sounds good. Let's go to uh, what I might believe might be the most nightmare-inducing story of the week. The Dreamland Theater in Ypsilanti, Michigan, will be hosting a Star Trek-themed puppet show. So this will be a Mad Libs-style show based on Star Trek, the original series, where the script is going to be filled in before the performance with words gathered from the audience. Now... For those of you listening, I heartily recommend that you go take a look at the photo (laughs) of the puppets, because they are quite something else. I I, I recommend you don't. (laughs) Jamie, why don't you tell us about your reaction
0: to these puppets? These poor, uh, whatever the the equivalent for vegan is for animals, I am for these marionettes, (laughs) because they have been tortured, uh, put through, uh, they appear to be... Kind of like if Thunderbirds uh, had been dragged through the the uh, the various different stages of hell and have now appeared direct uh, from my nightmares to a uh, a puppet themed Sunday afternoon show uh, in your neighbourhood. Never have I been happier to be practically the entire diameter length of the uh, you know. Um, Earth's crust away from Detroit, Michigan, as I am right now looking at these uh, marionettes. Anyway, uh, this looks like a frightening show. I'm sure it'll be hilarious, but um, you really got to check out these the the dead eyes on who Just you know, I mean, oh jeez, <laughs> she's peering into my soul, and she's not liking what she she's seeing. All of the dead animals I've eaten. Yeah, uh, it's all that think, steak, man. She, yeah, she's looking directly into my, my stomach, I think. Anyway, there you she, go. She's saying, Jamie, Jamie McGregor, enslaver of the bees. <laughs> I see yep. you. Yeah. Uh, That's her. Keep
2: away. One of my favorite parts of this news item is not about the news item itself. Uh, When we shared this on our workspace before we reported it, Jamie said, you know, we can skip that one because it is nightmare-inducing. was the entire reason why we're discussing it right now. But uh, whoever goes to the show, I'm sure somebody will bring in an impressionable child, and that child will never watch Star Trek. Because (laughs) this is the Star Trek that was introduced to him or her, and they will go oh my God, is this what Star Trek is? It's 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 really terrifying. It, and I, I'm trying to imagine a scenario where it is not scary, especially for a child. Like imagine adding cute music like children's jingles and stuff. That's still scary. That's even scarier that that is added in there. Uh, imagine adding spooky sci-fi music with uh, what we had in the 60s. That's just putting that nightmare over the top. So I don't see any scenario in this uh, play which a child would probably go and watch, and hmm. that child will not have nightmares.
0: I think the show is called Star Trek The Uncanny Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, someone who lives in Ypsilanti, uh, wherever that is, go to it. I'm sure it's going to be great fun and hilarious and a lot of laughs. Send us, uh, please, at us at uh, Weekly Trek and tell us how fantastic it was, and we'll apologise in the next episode.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, that's that's what Alex that's what Alex Berry can do. <laughs> I, I would love to see a review of this. <laughs>
1: Well then, gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for this edition of Weekly Trek. Why don't we just do a quick uh, going around the horn and tell us where people can find you on the social medias if they wish to continue the conversation. Let's start with you, Shashank.
2: People can find me on at gutter underscore hero. That's G-U-T-T-E-R underscore H-E-R-O. That's about the only social media I do. If you're interested, you can also send me an email. I love talking over email. My email ID is shashank.avaru at gmail.com get ready to break that pen and notepad out. It's S-H-A-S-H-A-N-K dot A-V-V-A-R-U at gmail.com.
1: I'll be sending you instructions on how to operate a kurig All right, and to you, Jamie. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, if you're a Ypsilanti puppeteer and you want to attack me on Twitter, my handle is uh, at jmac <laughs> underscore ref. And
1: slaver of bees <laughs> at, at gmail.com.
0: <laughs> J-M-A-C <laughs> underscore R-E-F. So have, have at me. Uh, I deserve it all.
1: <laughs> and I, your humble host for this, what we're going to call episode of Weekly Trek... Uh, I am John, and you can find me at Trek Profiles pretty much everywhere. Uh, That's on the Twitter at Trek Profiles and also on Facebook at Trek Profiles. And if you want to email me your flames and your encouragement for more veganism, please feel free to have at it. uh, Feedback at trekprofiles.com. That is going to do it for this edition of Weekly Trek. On behalf of all of us, thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, live long and prosper.